Back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. If this is your first time checking out the podcast. Welcome to the show. If you are a subscriber, welcome back. This is our first episode of season five. I am not sure how we got to season five, but here we are. And I'm going to hopefully channel a little bit of season one energy with this particular episode. So the topic of this episode is should you vote blue in 2022? It's the question that's being asked right now, given the news of the last week, which was the Supreme Court's leaked decision to essentially, from what it looks like right now, they are planning to overturn the long-established Roe v. Wade has been the precedent of the land for the last 49 years. It looks as though it's going to be overturned. It's not official as of yet. But it seems to be heading that direction. All indications are present. Now, there has been a slew of reactions from all over the country, uh, politicians, media figures, everyday people, so on and so forth. Everyone is weighing in on this decision. Now, what has really caught my attention, you know, primarily has been the reaction of the Democratic Party. You know, obviously, the Republicans are somehow aghast that the decision got leaked and they've been melting down over this as if that's a a big deal. They still found a way to get exactly what they wanted and still play the victim role. It's impressive, really. You know, you got to admire it, I guess. But, you know, the question has become for me, what were the Democrats going to do to respond? Now, this precedent has been established by the Supreme Court. And we've all been kind of living underneath this established precedent since the 1970s. However, there was never a congressional law in place, which if Congress ever wanted to, they could have essentially what's referred to as codifying. They could have established a law that would essentially do exactly what the Supreme Court president has done for all these years. They could create a law to make you know, abortion access the law of the land could have done it for decades now, have not done it. So many politicians have weighed in recently saying that this is the moment, this is the siren song that everyone needs to hear in order to get to the ballot box come this November and vote for Democrats. Because if we vote for Democrats, then they're going to protect us. They're going to somehow enshrine this access into law. The thing they've said they were going to do for a long time, they're finally going to do it now. They're going to do it now. In fact, Senator, Democratic Senator from Minnesota, Amy Klobuchar said this, on election day, we march to that ballot box together. We turn out in record numbers. That is how we beat this. Not only her, but also Sean Patrick Maloney, Congress, Democratic congressman from the 18th District of New York, said this, it's not about the filibuster 
or what the Senate hasn't passed. It's about the Republicans, not us. We can save our freedoms, but it's November, stupid. Great pep talk by the Democratic representative from the 18th District of New York. Of course, it's November, stupid. Because that is the mission statement right now. Go out and vote in the midterms for Democrats, and that's how we save Roe v. Wade. The, the question that is washing over me, though, is why are we waiting to November, stupid? That, that's, that, that's what I can't quite figure out. Um, so the, the, question, the, 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 the rallying cry right now is we're going to fix everything. We're going to set everything right as long as you vote for Democrats in the midterms. Why not now? Last time I checked, the Democrats have the White House, a majority in the Senate, and the majority in the House. So you already have the power you need to write this into law. Oh, wait, there's a couple things that are in the way. Uh, one of them being the filibuster, which you know our representative from the 18th District of New York said that it's not about the filibuster, but that's kind of a problem. Because as of right now, if you were to codify Roe v. Wade into law, you would need 60 votes in the Senate which require 10 Republican senators to vote on behalf of this, which they won't. Now, the Democrats could pass it with a simple majority of just their 50 Democratic senators, because they would have the tiebreaker with the Vice President Kamala Harris, but they won't get rid of the filibuster. When asked about it this past week, President Biden said that that was just not something that he was focused on, was getting rid of the filibuster. And plenty of other Democratic senators have also been kind of cold on this issue, saying that they are not interested in getting rid of the filibuster, to which I have to ask myself a very important question. Why is the filibuster more important than this issue? And if you're not willing to get rid of the filibuster, why should we believe that you're really that serious about not only codifying Roe v. Wade into law, but frankly, doing anything else you claim that you want to do. So is it really about November, stupid? That's the, that's the question that I, I really want to ask here right now. You know, because Joe Biden, our president, has said in the past that he would codify Roe v. Wade into law. He said it in October of 2019 when he was on the campaign trail. But up until this point, he has not brought a single bill into the House or the Senate in order to do so. It hasn't happened. But why not? But let's be fair. Joe Biden is not the only president to be kind of soft on this issue. In 2007, there was another candidate who was running for president. Now, this candidate said that the first thing that he would do in office would be to sign the Freedom of Choice Act which would codify Roe v. Wade into law. This was 2007, and that candidate's name was Barack Obama. Now, in 2009, after Obama was in office, not only was he in office, but you remember how we were just talking about the, the filibuster being an obstacle in order to getting something done? In 2009, our president, Obama, had 60 senators that were Democrats. They had a filibuster-proof 
majority in the Senate and they had control of the House. He was the president. And he said during an interview, or I'm sorry, in a press conference in, in March of 2009, that the bill was just not his highest legislative priority. And over the course of his whole eight years, it was actually never brought into law. So the question that I'm going to ask back to you now, all of you who are listening, can we trust the Democratic Party, the Biden administration to codify Roe into law? Is it on their highest legislative agenda now? Well, I think the best way to look at what they will do is best to look at what they have done. You know, your past isn't always the most accurate predictor of the future, but it's usually a pretty strong place to start. And when we come back from our quick break, we're going to talk about what the Democrats claimed they were going to do, what Biden said he was going to do, and then what they have done since they've been in power, which should give us a pretty decent outlook into what they're going to do if they maintain their power. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at Betty'sDivine.com. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. So before we went on break, we were talking about whether or not the Democrats will keep their promises moving forward. I said that the best predictor of the future is probably the past. Not an exact, but probably the best thing that we can do for the moment. So I want to talk about the brief pass when it comes to 
not only the Democratic Party, but specifically our president, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the leader of the Democratic Party. If he wants something done, typically it gets done unless Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are involved, but that's a completely different conversation, which we already have had and we will have again. And they're also a part of this, but we'll get to that in a second. So first and foremost, let's just say this. In season one of Independent Thought, I almost exclusively covered the primary elections that led up to the second Super Tuesday. Now, a lot of different conversations were flying around that time. It was Bernie. It was Biden. There was a lot to be said. There were other candidates involved as well that were kind of playing smaller roles. But the important thing to know is how did the electorate feel at that time? The primaries are a very important time. More people need to be involved with this. The primary voters on Super Tuesday said that these three things were their top issues that they wanted to be addressed by the nominee that they sent to the White House, potentially. Those top three issues were healthcare, climate change, and income inequality. So let's talk about that now. Joe Biden won the nomination and then went on to win the presidency. So how has he been faring on the issues that the electorate sent him to deal with. Now, obviously, COVID, pandemic, healthcare should be a number one priority. Our hospital system was absolutely overwhelmed during the height of the pandemic. So you would think that coming out of this, or you know, as we are trying to now, quote unquote, come back to normal, that we would be shoring up our hospital system or doing something to address our public health system. We would be doing something, correct? During the 2020 campaign, President Biden said, then candidate Biden said, that he strongly believed in a public option. Now, this was talked about time and time and time again, as Bernie Sanders was constantly pushing for a universal health care system that he refers to as Medicare for all. Biden would reply that the public option is the better idea. It is the idea that if you want to, that you can just join Medicare or Medicaid, something like that, if you're feeling as though that your private insurance is not up to par. However, since Biden has taken office, not only has it not been brought forth to Congress for any type of approval, it has not been mentioned. President Biden has not mentioned the public option since he took office. It hasn't been on his 2021 budget. It wasn't on his 2022 budget. It's still on his website. For those who are interested, if you want to go to joebiden.com, I'll have a link in the episode description. He has it still up there as one of his top priorities, hasn't spoken about it, not even uttered a sentence about it since taking office. So obviously, we talk about prioritizing healthcare. It is not something that's been high on his list. Also, on top of that fact, if you want to talk about how healthcare affects people in different ways, I will also note that medical bankruptcies are the number one cause of bankruptcies in America. Studies show that 62% of all bankruptcies in this country come from medical debt. 
Has anything been done about that in the last couple of years while we've had a Democrat in the White House, Democrats controlling the Senate, Democrats controlling the House? No. No, we have not. Now, on top of that, we also, you know, talked about also what was mentioned in those exit polls, climate change. Now, in the Nevada primary back in February of 2020, President Biden, then candidate Biden, called climate change, quote, the existential threat that humanity faces, unquote. Now, during his what was called the Build Back Better plan, which was also called the Reconciliation Plan, which I think at one point was also called the American Families Plan. It, it had a different, it had a few different names while it was actually being debated. All of the climate provisions that were in the BBB were in fact stripped out because they were deemed to be too expensive. Now, now Biden can claim that he rejoined the Paris Climate Accords and that he's, you know, going forth with making sure that there's electric charging stations on highways. That's going to be in the new infrastructure bill. He's incentivizing, you know, electric cars to be built. But all of the major investments into the environment were basically stripped out of his Build Back Better plan, which he allowed to die in the Senate after Senator Joe Manchin basically said that he just wasn't going to vote for it. And in fact, he later said in an interview uh, with a radio show in West Virginia that he was never going to vote for it. No matter how many things they stripped out, he had no desire to ever vote for that bill. Now, it's really hard to believe that you know, a president can get any agenda done when he can't even get every single member of his Democratic Senate to go along with what he says he wants to do. Uh, not only that, but let's talk about things that kind of got done. So if we're being a little bit fair here, there was, he also said during that same debate in February of 2020 that he thought that if he became president, he would allocate money for transmission lines which I've gone over in a previous episode called the electric slide and how important they are. Uh, please go back and check that out. There was some money allocated towards transmission lines. However, uh, the executive director of the wires pointed out that it's going to require a moonshot effort for this truly to be successful in implementing what we need as far as transmission lines are across the country. And he said that we are nowhere near where it needs to be. On top of that fact, President Biden said that he would also invest more in high-speed rail because that would be another way to combat global, well, more or less not global, but our emissions here in the country. And in fact, the infrastructure bill did have $65 billion for rail. However, the rail money actually was not specified for high-speed rail at all. In fact, it's going to go into Amtrak and Amtrak doesn't even own their own tracks. So it, yeah, I guess that was another thing that he said he was going to do that he didn't, in fact, do. In fact, in June of 2021, there was $25 billion set up for high-speed rail, but then it was cut during ne negotiations, as they say, in the House of Representatives. High-speed rail has continued to struggle in Washington, and I, and I think they probably can be best encapsulated by an announcement of a former president, which you know this president said that 
You know, in just 25 years, more than three quarters of Americans would have access to bullet trains. That president, however, was Barack Obama. And he said that in 2011. And well, it's 2022. And we haven't even invested anything into high-speed rail. Uh, this is like a, this, the reason for this is there why the reason that a lot of things don't get the investment that they say they're going to get to, how we hear politicians claim that they're going to go ahead and invest in something and then they ultimately end up not. Here's one example, and this is gonna be a continuing example. For high-speed rail in particular, auto, airplane, and oil lobbies actually pushed heavily against this when it was brought up during negotiations for the Build Back Better plan, because shifting towards rail would directly affect the customer base. And if you're wondering where I'm getting this information from, I have a litany of articles that'll be linked in this episode description. So click there now, and you'll be able to reference the articles that I am referencing. They'll be in there, uh, no doubt. So, and this was, you know, time and time again, for so many different things that Biden promised. I mean, Biden promised a lot of different things while on the campaign trail. In fact, PolitiFact has made a whole list on every single thing that was promised and corresponding links to if Biden has done anything about it and if he said anything about it. PolitiFact has done great work I have that linked in the description as well. So I want to run through a few of these with you really quickly here, because one of the things that was also said was that he was going to promise that he was going to make community college free, tuition free for everyone. Not only that, but that, you know, four-year colleges would be tuition free for families who made under $125,000. However, the Wall Street Journal will note that lobbyists for four-year colleges we're advocating against free community college and for this 125,000 uh, tuition free because the four-year institutions were fearful that it would cut into their bottom lines. So this is a reoccurring thing time and time again, as we also saw that Biden promised to have lower prescription drug costs only to see that the prescription that you know, drug companies actually lobby several members of the house and we saw that some of them actually were able to get some campaign contributions. And then wouldn't you know it, the little section of the Build Back Better plan, which was going to lower prescription drug costs, was actually thrown out. And it was not just that, but when we talk about some more of the promises that Biden had made, he promised to eliminate the federal death penalty. He did not. He promised to end pay discrimination. He did not. He promised to have 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave, did not. Minimum wage, $15 an hour, no. Seven days paid sick leave, no. Make unions organizing easier, no. Decriminalize marijuana, no. Eliminate cash bail, no. Eliminate mandatory minimums, no. Enact a domestic terrorism law, no. End for profit detention centers, no. Tax penalty for offshoring. Not only did he not do this one specifically, this actually came up just last week where Bernie Sanders tried in fact to go ahead and stop corporations from outsourcing US jobs and preventing workers from forming labor unions while penalizing corporations for trying to prevent labor unions. And 
only six Democrats ended up voting with Bernie. They were Senators Elizabeth Warren, Tammy Baldwin, Cory Booker, Ed Markey, and Jeff Markley. Uh, those were the only Democratic senators to vote with Bernie Sanders for this specifically. So not only did Joe Biden not do anything about this, but his whole Senate voted with the Republicans to make sure that corporations could continue to offshore their jobs, even though Biden said that he was going to penalize companies for doing that. So he also said that he was going to forgive $10,000 of student loans. No. He also said that he was going to eliminate private dollars from federal elections. No. Banning fracking on federal lands. No. Not only did he not put an end to that, they have started fracking on federal lands again. So what is the point of all this, Desmond? Like, Why go through this list of all of these broken promises? Are you trying to insinuate that the Republicans are somehow better? No, no, I'm not. The Republicans are equally as terrible. No, the Republicans are worse. That's not the point of all of this. The point of all of this is, I think it's very important that people know exactly what they're voting for. Because we can hear things like what Amy Klobuchar said about making sure that we all like are in lockstep and we are voting in November. And if we do that, they're just going to fix things. Or you can listen to that other congressman I referenced before. I forgot his name. It's not really important because he feels the need to call voters stupid, which I think is stupid. So the question for me has come to this. What exactly are the Democrats trying to sell us here? Because I personally voted for Joe Biden in 2020 over Donald Trump. I had faith that the Build Back Better bill would be something that could transform America. I had faith that Biden was going to be what he claimed he wanted to be. The, you know, the, the, how did, how did he phrase it? He said that he wanted to be an FDR-like president. Now, there was a part of me, the more cynical part of me, that was like, yeah, you know, he's just saying all that kind of stuff. But for a minute there, I was actually semi-hopeful, just, just semi-hopeful. But, you know, what we're really seeing here is the same thing that we always see, which is politicians saying one thing, but then doing absolutely nothing in return. And honestly, let's, let's be fair. Do they really have an incentive right now to be different than what they claim to be? You know, one of the things I saw posted uh, from Andrew Yang, I know how some people feel about him, but this stat is, I think it just tells the whole story. 90% of congressional seats are not competitive in general elections. In fact, incumbents have a 94% re-election rate, and this is despite the fact that 80% of Americans currently disapprove of Congress. So when you hear those statistics, I think it tells you everything you need to know. Our current politicians have no incentives on actually following through on any of their promises. Our current politicians have no incentives for actually helping us or making our lives better. And so when our current politicians make promises, as they always do, how can we believe that they're going to actually do anything? I, I mean, truly, how can we really buy that? Now, I'm not going to tell people how to vote. 
Like I didn't tell people how to vote in 2020. I'm not going to tell people how to vote now. But the question of the episode is, should you vote blue in 2022? That's up to you. But I, I think it's very important that you understand what exactly voting blue means. Is it going to mean transformational change in America? Doesn't seem that way. Is it going to mean codifying Roe v. Wade? I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Why wait? Why wait? Why not do it now? Why are they leveraging this as a wedge issue for the 2022 midterm elections? They already have the power now. And if we're being fair, if they maintain the House and they Biden's still going to be in the White House, they're not picking up 10 seats in the Senate, no matter what you think. And so at the end of the day, if they're not going to get rid of the filibuster, they're technically going to be in the same position at the end of this year, no matter what. Like, no matter what, they're going to be in the same position they are in now. In fact, they have more power now than they probably will have at the end of this year. So the fact that they're trying to turn this into a wedge issue for this election is absolutely disgusting in and of itself. You have the power to make this, to make Roe v. Wade into law today, today. Why aren't they doing it? Like, what, what is the message here? Like, what have they done to convince you that Democrats being in power is actually going to lead to things changing? But maybe we need to give Joe Biden credit for the one promise that he made that he actually kept when he said that nothing would fundamentally change. He said that. In June of 2019, Joe Biden was speaking at a high-level fundraising event in New York where he said to wealthy donors, if elected, no one's standard of living will change. Nothing will fundamentally change. He's absolutely right. Being president for the last year and a half, nothing really has fundamentally changed. And it doesn't seem that nothing will fundamentally change. And I want to, the one thing that I want to leave you all with is I want you to stop letting these politicians, you know, blame you, I, us, the voters for these terrible like election results that come out. In 2010, after President Obama, it's like Democratic Party got wiped down the midterms. He said, oh, people just didn't come out and vote. In 2016, Hillary Clinton tried to blame the people for not coming out and voting for her. And now in 2018, I'm sorry, now in 2022, uh, you have Democratic you know, uh, congressmen who are trying to say, it's November, stupid. It's like, no, how about the Democratic Party step up and actually do the things that they said they were going to do and earn our votes versus demanding them and then continuing to do nothing with the power that has been given to them. That's what I want to see happen going forward when we talk about elections, when we talk about voting, when we talk about what's going on in our country. And I also want to say this to kind of like trail off here towards the end. President Biden raised over a billion dollars from voters. First candidate ever to do that in the 2020 election. He was also, the Democratic Party as a whole raised $1.7 billion from small dollar donations. Those are donations underneath $200. People donated like crazy. People gave their time. People went and canvassed. People knocked doors. They, you know, like made phone calls. They did all of these things during the height of the pandemic with no vaccines. And for what? What has fundamentally changed 
since President Biden has been in office. Yeah, Donald Trump's not around anymore. We don't have to hear him on Twitter. But have our lives fundamentally gotten better? Is Are we seeing any transformational change the way that we were promised? It's time that these politicians actually do the thing that they were going to do or we vote them out. That needs to be the answer, as well as making sure that people show up in the primaries. I spent all of season one you know, talking to the very minimal audience that I had then about the importance of voting in the primary elections. That hasn't changed. Primaries are going on right now. Please vote for the right candidates, not, not just the ones that say that they can win, but the ones who actually have values that align with you. People that actually want to go to Washington and do something other than leverage their the power for financial gain and campaign contributions. Please go out there and just make the best decision that you can, but understand what it means to vote blue in 2022 or to vote blue no matter who. Don't be swayed by those stupid slogans anymore. If you liked this episode, uh, please share it on social media, tag independent thought. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who checked this episode out. We are going to have one final break and I'm going to have some final thoughts for the day after the break. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of independent thought. I first want to thank all the subscribers who are continuing to subscribe to this podcast for coming back after this break. Uh, there'll be definitely less of a break this time around because there will be a, a brand new format that we will talk about here in a moment. I also want to thank all of the people who are members on Patreon. I cannot express enough gratitude for all of you who continue to support this podcast, support me through the last you know year plus. Uh, it is it is an absolutely amazing thing, and there is no part of me that is not internally grateful. My hope is that you know I'll eventually be able to build this up into something that can do more than just release episodes. Uh, hopefully, doing some real investigative journalism. Uh, as well as getting this message out to a lot more people. Uh, I think it'll be a, a long road, but I think it's worth it. So I appreciate all the other people who have also found it worth it enough to donate a couple dollars a month. Thank you so much. Uh, as far as what's coming next is concerned, new format, going to try something new. Uh, the way that this podcast has gone in the past, I've always had these hour plus long episodes where you would have a topic and a guest and I want to do it a little bit differently this time we're still gonna be having guests come on but the guest segments you know as before will be probably for the most part unrelated to the topic of the week uh, but they're not going to be in the same episode so the guest segment for this week will come out in a couple of days so make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss it and also you know I'm gonna try my best to make this a consistent thing. Uh, the plan is to do it every week, but we'll see how, how hectic it gets. But to also have a news of the week segment every week, uh, typically towards the end of the week. So be on the lookout for that as well. So why this topic? I think that's one of the final things I want to touch on here as we wrap this all up. I cannot stomach 
listening to so many different democratic politicians talk about how the answer to this issue with Roe is just to elect more Democrats. It, it just feels so absolutely just callous on their part because they have all the power in the world right now, but they refuse to, to wield it. Now, now, some people who are like apologists for the Democratic Party will say, oh, it's, just, it's mansion, it's cinema. Uh, we can't get them to cooperate. And, and if we could, then all of these things that were promised by Biden would change. And it's like, that's not realistic. It, it, it really is, especially when you're not trying to actually get rid of the filibuster. You would have to get 12 new Democrats to have a filibuster-proof majority in this country to get 60 Democrats. I, I just don't see it. Like I understand that it happened. I, I referenced when it happened in 2009 with Obama. But that type of output isn't going to come again, and it isn't sustainable. And he only held on to it for two years. And they've proven time and time again that they don't want to move fast with basically anything ever. And they and they don't. The, de the Democrats haven't done anything to prove to me or to anyone really as far as I would hope that they're serious about the things they claim that they care about. I, I mean, like I saw somebody else on Twitter. I'm not going to name their name, but there's somebody who I, I know. And, you know, I, I really think that their their tweet here, like summed it up best, you know, where. Oh, my God, did I really lose it? Okay, so I lost the tweet, but basically it said that, you know, that, you know, they have been, oh, here it is. It's hard to swallow the push for voting when we have the presidency, the House and the Senate, yet uncertainty persists. And because I heard, oh, actually, I'm going to omit that part. But basically they had been volunteering for Democrats since they were 15 years old. When can we count on them to work for us? That really is the whole thing right now, right? Democrats have all the power in the world and they're not even getting things done that they said they were going to get done. And honestly, I'm tired of the mansion and cinema thing because Joe Biden could be putting more pressure on them, but he just, he won't do it. He won't say anything negative about them. He's not doing anything to like overtly get them in line. And so what that tells me that all of these things that he says outright are negatively impacting people, are hurting people, are killing people, all of those things are less important to him than being mean to two senators in public. In the grand scheme of things, in the grand calculus, that is what it comes down to. He's less willing to be mean to two senators in order to get them in line. He'd rather just watch people just suffer and and in some cases die, but that's, that's, that's the decision that's been made. And even if you have this idea that getting mansion and cinema out of office or electing more Democrats so that their votes aren't mattering, I mean, Democrat, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are nothing more than avatars for the corporations who have essentially bought their, you know, their votes. I have referenced a couple different times last season on my podcast in the Children of America episode, as well as a bonus episode about Joe Manchin. Manchin and Cinema have multiple times now received massive, like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in campaign contributions 
right after they took no votes on Biden's legislation. They literally are taking money in a legalized bribery way and trading their votes on that behalf. There's no logic that says that if you just elected more Democrats, that corporations wouldn't just pay more Democrats to also vote no. You know, the problem isn't that we need more Democrats. The problem is that the Democrats who are currently in power have no incentive not to vote, you know, not to vote, you know, like the way they are voting right now. They have no incentive to vote on behalf of the things that are going to make life better for us. I'm not sure exactly how that changes, but I know that it's not going to change if we continue to just make excuses for these Democrats and act as if they're just prisoners of the moment or that they are unable to do anything to fix this problem. They are part of the problem. And until people are able to realize that, this isn't a one-time issue. This will be the continuing theme of our lives. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of them pretending that they're somehow the good guys in this scenario. There are no good guys in Washington. There's just some corruption and more corruption. That's what we currently have, and we need to find a way to root it out. Thank you to those who listened to this episode. I really do appreciate it. I'm excited to go into this fifth season of Independent Thought. If you are not already, please follow me on social media at Independent Thought, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Check me out on there. Send me a DM. Let me know how what you thought about this episode. I will see you in the next one. Have a good day.